feel like life has hit you up the side of the head with a hockey stick? Have you ever reached a critical junction when you must take stock of your situation to decide what's next? Our guest today has skated on life's thin ice and has here to share some tips we can use to navigate life's transitions. Do you need help scoring one of life's goals? Well, you could say that the puck stops here. Dave Jaslowski started his career as a professional hockey player in Canada. He ended up here in Mississippi, and he's become a successful businessman, author, and motivational speaker. Dave, it's good to see you again. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Man, it really is good. I, I, now, i got to tell everybody that I first met you officially down in New Orleans. Uh, we were both speaking to the same group, and, and I spoke, and then you spoke. And, I, and by the time your speech was over with, I was like, oh, thank goodness I didn't have to follow you. You are so good. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's kind of what your life's kind of morphed into. You get to do a lot of speaking to folks and helping them. And I mean, you must pinch yourself every day. Well, I, you know, I've, uh, I've been very blessed and fortunate to have some great coaches and mentors yeah. in my life. And um, I, I always knew that when I was playing hockey, I would hear a coach say something really great, and I was like, I'm going to share that someday. So yeah. I can't take credit for everything that, it, that, I, that I share, but, uh, you know, some of the lessons that I've learned from those great coaches and, and mentors, uh, it's an opportunity for me to really give back. Yeah, definitely. I've, I've noticed by your accent that, to quote some of my friends, you ain't from around here. <laughs> yeah. uh, you grew up in Canada. Yeah, and that's one of the first things that people ask. They're like, where are you from? You're not from around here. And I'm originally from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I was okay. a hockey player for, for uh, six years. Six, and, yeah. Um, you know, played most of my career in the United States, and so that's how I end up down here. I end up uh, meeting a Mississippi girl and moving back here and, and, uh, and, and getting a job here when I retired. And so uh, I've been here since 2002 now. So. You sure it wasn't just the fried food and humidity? Uh, I, love, I, love the, <laughs> I love the food, but yeah. <laughs> when I, it was interesting because I was actually working four different jobs when I moved down here. And one of those jobs was building houses. And yeah. I was up on a roof felting uh, the roof. Oh and gosh, I remember yeah. my shoes were melting. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my God, I've moved. To, I'm like, in, I moved to hell. It's so hot here. It's like, <laughs> it is ridiculously, uh, amazingly hot. <laughs> You're like calling back home. Hey, could you bring some of that cold air down here, yeah. please? You're going to stick yourself in the refrigerator. Yeah. Did you play? I mean, you played hockey as a little kid, right? So you kind of thought, this is what I want to do. Yeah. That was your dream. Yeah. And then growing up in Canada, I mean, you know, it's, it's like football or baseball here. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. I started playing hockey when I was about four or five years old and yeah. getting up in the morning at, five, you know, 445 or five o'clock in the morning, going to Tim Hortons is a famous donut shop in Canada. Oh, okay. So I'd go to donut shop with my dad. And then so he, that's how you trained. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Donuts. And, uh, and so we'd go to the donut shop and then go to practice. And then, uh, and then, you know, we would literally play, uh, you know, on a weekend, we'd get up, we'd go to the outdoor rink, and we'd play. We'd, we'd put, like, what we call hot shots in our skates, and, yeah. in our gloves, to keep our hands and feet warm. And we'd play for eight hours. Our mom or dad would call, come home for lunch, come home for supper, go home for lunch, eat chicken noodle soup and grilled cheese sandwiches, and then get back out on the rink, and then go home for dinner, and then get back out on the rink. And so, you know, in the wintertime, we were playing, you know, eight, nine, ten hours a day. In the summertime, we'd play street hockey. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's what we do in Canada. <laughs> that, that, exactly. Now, I have seen clips of you playing. I have to admit, I mean, you're a nice guy and everything, and I love talking. I'm kind of scared of you, to be honest with you, after I've seen your play. You were like 
one of the meanest people out on the ice. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, you know, the, the enforcer sometimes yeah. will get suspended. And I would get suspended and I would be up in the press box doing radio or something. and Or I'd be, you know, walking <laughs> through the crowd and people, you know, they, you're so much nicer off the ice <laughs> yeah. than you are on the ice. And I and they're like, what what's the difference? And I said, well, when you're on the ice, you've got to protect right. yourself. I mean, so... Uh, and, you know, that was kind of my, uh, my MO, so to speak. I, I got thrown into that role um, when I was uh, playing in, in, in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, actually, for uh, Mike Babcock. <laughs> yeah, talk about some of the coaches that you had along the way, because you mentioned just a second ago how you would hear things they would say and you remember it. But were there any coaches in particular that really you felt like changed your life? Well, Mike Babcock was one of the coaches that I played for that has gone on to win Olympic gold medals, world yeah. championships. He's pretty much like the, he would be like the uh, John Wooden of hockey. Yeah. And so yeah. um, he was one that was very influential. In fact, he called me into his office one day and uh, he said, you know, when I was playing hockey, I was a, I was a crusher. Yeah. And my coach told me, he said, if you, Mike, if you are a crusher, and you try to be an usher, a rusher, you will be an usher, which means you'll be sitting in the stands. And he said, Dave, you need to know your role. You need yeah. to know that your job is to go into the corner and get the puck out, be physical, and play that role. And so, you know, I've, I've taken that lesson, and I've, I've used that in my business life to right. know that, okay, there's certain people that have to play certain roles within your organization. Yeah. And how, and I've actually applied that um, in business and in life. And so that, that was one of the lessons that I, that I learned, but basically know who you are. Yeah. And uh, I talk a little bit about that in the book and, and, and the I am focus formulas and, and knowing who you are and, 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 clarifying and verifying that role in your life or the different roles that you play in your life right. as a, you know, as a, a parent, as a spouse or significant other, as a professional, your health, your finances, you know, you have to know where you're going in each area of those, each areas of your life so yeah. that you have clarity so that you can move towards that, that, that goal. But that, that is so important. That's such an important first step. And I think a lot of people, they just kind of get sucked up into their own reflection in the mirror and they forget that they really are part of a team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they do. And, and, and it, it's hard because, you know, you've got so much stuff going on in business yeah. and you've got so many things that are, uh, you know, what I call distractions or temptations. And you get distracted by things. Somebody says, hey, they put, put it on your desk. You're like, hey, I oh, need I you to do this right now or I need right. you to get this done. And so then all of a sudden you're like squirrel or, you know, like you, yeah. I've got to get that done. And so that's the that is the challenge for a lot of people and that's where i created those focus formulas so yeah. that they could know okay these are the things that i need to do on a weekly basis and i've also got the success and significance list in there which success in my opinion is making yeah. money significance is making a difference right and we make money to make a difference and when we remember that then we can really fulfill our life's purpose as well as feel like we're moving in the right direction right yeah exactly you had a moment where I talked about in the intro about getting hit up the side of the head with a stick. I did that just for you, by the way. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Because you absolutely had one of the worst high-sticking incidents in hockey history. Tell us about that story. Yeah, I was playing my first year, in, uh, and um, I was playing for the Knoxville Cherokees. Yeah. I had just been traded from Baton Rouge, and um, we were playing in the third last game of the season. The mm -hmm. game was actually meaningless because we were in last place. The team we were playing was in first place. It already clinched the division title, and 
we were out of the playoffs. And yeah. so our coach, Jack Yappiano, walked in the dressing room and said, guys, I'm watching every one of you to determine whether I bring you back next year. Well, I was a rookie, and so I yeah. wanted to impress the coach. And so I go out there, and I'm playing my heart out, and it's third period. I'm skating down the ice, and I'm back-checking against the leading scorer of the league. And the whistle blows. There's an offside uh, mm-hmm. penalty, or offside play, and uh, – there's a scrum on the other side of the ice. And I know this guy's not going to fight me because he's the leading scorer of the league. And so I push off of him. I go to help my, my teammates on the other side of the ice. And he takes his stick and he two-hand baseball bat swings as hard as he can. Hits me right here in the upper orbital bone. Crushes my frontal sinus. My orbital bone shattered, basically. Basically, this whole side of my face was, uh, was crushed. And, oh, my um, gosh. I've actually got a titanium mesh plate here. Uh, and no, I don't ring when I go through the... I was going to ask if you can make it through security. <laughs> That's what everybody yeah. asks me. Like, do you ring when you go through security? I'm like, no, I don't ring when I go yeah. through security. Do you have superpowers but... <laughs> now? Or... <laughs> but, uh, but I do have 13 screws, a titanium mesh plate. Oh, wow. And uh, I, I still have a, some residual effects from it sure. from time to time. Um, like really bad sinus infections and things of that nature. But um, And so... I was immediately, when I got hit, I was immediately went blind in this yeah. eye. And it was, it was, it was a, a very surreal experience because the, the rink was loud, and right. you know how a hockey rink is loud, and then all of a sudden you could have hear, heard a pin drop. But all I could hear was bells ringing in my ears, yeah. and I was seeing stars out of this eye and nothing out of this eye. And, of course, I just felt this flush of heat. And, and, and of course, blood was coming out everywhere, and it was painting the ice red, and by the time the trainer got to me, he put the towel on my eye, they rushed me back into the, the dressing room and the training room. Two doctors rushed in, and they said, I can't, and all I could say is, I can't see, I can't see, right. I can't see, and, I'm, yeah. I, and I was literally freaking out. It's amazing out. you didn't lose your eye. It went, and really, the doctors, when they, uh, the, you know, the doctor after the surgery said, you're lucky that the, it, the bone didn't go into your brain, because if it would have, yeah. you know, some of the shards could have gone in, and and really could have messed you up. I mean, you, you know. It, I mean, that's all your executive control right there. <laughs> right, so, yeah, right. you would have been. Lucky yeah. to be, a, uh, really, really lucky to be alive. I was and having so, this conversation, to be honest with you. So I got, I was in the, I was in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. And I, you know how you can tell when somebody feels really bad for you? Yeah. I could tell the paramed felt really bad for me. And, and it was a moment where, for me, as a 23-year-old, I thought I was invincible. Because I had led the, the Canadian Hockey League in penalty minutes. And I felt like I was the toughest guy in the world. Yeah. Up until that point, and I, may, I had a realization that I don't control everything. Yeah. You know that that uh, God is in control of some things, and so I, I had a conversation with God at that point. I, I could was, imagine you did. I was yeah. like, "All right, God, if you'll just allow me to be able to yeah. see again, I will surrender my life to you." And so from that wow. point forward, it was a very uh, pivotal moment in my life that that helped me understand that I don't control everything and right. and, and and never will. And so I have to surrender some things to to God and and work as if as if I can you know do do my part but I also have to realize that I don't have control over everything and so got to the hospital and um, the next morning five-hour surgery they did the reconstructive surgery the the front of the USA today said that I had 300 some stitches I don't think I had that many I know I had 27 on the outside um, fortunately it was in the eyebrow so it, it yeah <laughs> it didn't mess me up too bad but uh, and so had the surgery um, and then doctor came in, and, and as a, any hockey player would do, I was like, oh, hey, doc, when am I going to be able to go back and right. play? Can I join my team? He's like, you're not playing the rest of the season. And, I, and honestly, and, and this was the hard part, he said, I don't know if you're ever going to be able to play again. Wow. 
And so at that point, I was like, oh, my God, I've worked my whole life. This is who I am as it's a hockey dream. player. Yeah. I've lost my sight and have no vision of the future. Well, at, you know, most people think that was a pretty bad situation. Right. But as Paul Harvey says, the rest of the story is I, I was in the hospital for five days. And so I called the team and I said, hey, uh, what a lot of people don't know is I was traded from Baton Rouge to Knoxville. I had everything in my everything I own in the entire world on in three hockey bags underneath that bus. And we were on the road trip coming through. And so all my stuff, I, I called the team. I said, hey, where's my stuff? They said, well, we left it at the rink. I called the rink, and they said, well, your stuff's not here. And then I find out somebody stole everything I own. So you, Okay, so you're <laughs> sending 300-plus stitches or whatever, <laughs> right. you've been, my, and you're like, nothing. You have nothing. Yeah. Just clothes on your back. Literally, I went to the rink with a pair of shorts, flip-flops, a T-shirt, one of those old Timex wristwatches. Uh, that afternoon, on a Thursday afternoon, I remember in Charleston, and, and I walked out of that hospital with nothing to my name. Wow. Like, you know, blind in one eye, uh, no worldly possessions, and, and I don't even know what I'm going to do. So I got back to Knoxville, and I was eating lunch with uh, some of my teammates, and one of my teammates, Matt Turk, said, man, dude, you know, I know this is bad, but you're probably going to be a millionaire because, you know, you one of my buddies had something similar happen. His situation wasn't as bad as yours, but you, you can sue him and you're going to get all this money. Yeah. So make a long story short, we end up, um, you know, our, my team hired an attorney to get the medical bills paid for and there was a lawsuit. Well, my attorney, Chris Coffey, basically said, you're going to have to make a decision here whether you want to play hockey again or not because if you never play another game, you will get lost wages and you'll probably get a lot of money north yeah. of a million dollars because, you know, lost wages of a professional hockey player, we can justify that. Right. And, you know, average career, six years, maybe $500,000 a year at league minimum at the time or maybe a little more than that, you know, maybe three million bucks, but maybe not that much, but a lot of money. Yeah. But you'll never be able to play another game of hockey. Or, and he said, I don't know that that's what you want to do, but that's an option. Or you can go back and play and we just get your medical covered and, you know, that's it. But, you know, you, you're going to run significant risk. The doctor told me, don't go back and play because if you get hit, you know, you could go blind in that eye right. easily. So at the end of the day, uh, at the end of that summer, my vision eventually started to come back. It took about 60 to 90 days for it to fully come back. And uh, I, had, I had a decision to make. Well, I decided to go back and play. And... Uh, it was tough because... Yeah, but to say, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the reason I did is because yeah. I, I had to make a choice. I had to live with... I was either live with fear or live with regret. Right. And fear was, fear was temporary and regret was permanent. Yeah. And I knew that... I said, you know what? I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to live with regret. I'm going to do the best that I can, and, and I'm going to follow my, my boyhood dream of playing hockey, and at least I'll have no regrets. And, uh, you know, of course, I left all that money on the table, and... Um, but I don't regret it because I had six years of uh, a great experience. I finished top 100 all-time in penalty minutes and, and had some amazing experiences that no amount of money that would, would have been able to create, you know, scoring an overtime winner at Conceigo Fieldhouse, you know, something like that. It's yeah. just you can't buy that. Right. <laughs> and so uh, for me it was, uh, it was a good decision. It was the right. one decision that I, I decided that, uh, you know, it, it, was, it was a good decision for me. But I tell you what, I mean, you think about anything else life throws at you, you pretty much know that you can reframe it and get through it. Because, I mean, once you get hit inside the head with a hockey stick and lose your sight and you come back from that, you pretty much are invincible at this point. 
Yeah, and I've used that story to sort of pull on uh, for strength, yeah. you know, in the, in the future. Um, you know, when, when, when I moved here, uh, you know, I was struggling and when I, I was working four different jobs. Yeah, okay, let's back up a little bit. Why did you move here? Because, <clears throat> I mean, like I said, you were bouncing around. You could have gone back to Canada. I did. Uh, I ended up here, um, married a Mississippi girl. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> I did, All I the sense in the had world. Two right boys. There. Uh, a lot of people so are nodding right now. Can't going, take a southern yeah. girl out of the south. Don't work too well. And so, uh, so I ended up moving back here. Um, I had two boys, and yeah. you know they're 17 and 14 now. Um, and the, they don't. Everybody asked me, do they play hockey? And unfortunately, they don't. They play football, baseball, and. Uh, they're southern boys yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so um it was funny though my uh my oldest one jake uh hit somebody really hard in football the other day and somebody <laughs> said something to him you're just hit you hit him just like your dad did you know and you were sitting there tear like, coming out right, your eyes yeah. like yeah, that's my and boy so, yeah that's uh the, the physical play coming out and, that, and that's why i like football because it's it's similar to hockey you know yeah. in the physicality of it so so yeah i end up here um and uh didn't know what I was going to do after I was, you know. In fact, a lot of players struggle from yeah. the transition from being a professional athlete to the real world. And and I was no exception. I struggled as well. I was working four different jobs at the YMCA at 445 in the morning. Uh, going from there to building yeah. houses in the heat. My shoes are melting. Going back to the Y to do personal training and then do skating lessons at the ice park. Working four different jobs, no money, brand new baby on the way. And I'm thinking, okay, this is not going to work. So... I uh, go to a job placement agency. Mm -hmm. I told the lady, hey, I looked at, I need to find a temporary job. My father-in-law was actually in the, insurance, in the insurance industry. So he said, why don't you get in the insurance industry? I said, I don't know anything about insurance. And so he said, well, I'll get you an interview. Make a long story short, I start going through the process. And I get, uh, I get to a point where I meet this gentleman by the name of Steve Atkins, working mm -hmm. at New York Life. And I get the sense when I meet him that this is a guy that can lead me to a better future. Right. I had a lot of great coaches and mentors, and, and Steve was one of those people that uh, if I had not met him, I probably wouldn't be who I am today. He's Isn't it just, funny? I mean, you go around, check him, and see if he has wings on the back <laughs> of his back. You know? Yeah. I mean, he's just yeah. one of those people that um, true Southern business gentleman yeah. that just really taught me the, the, the art and science of being a really good business person. And so um, – but as stubborn and as, as, as I was, I thought I could do things my way. So, you know, I take the job with New York Life. About three months later, I start to struggle. I go home and sit at my kitchen table. Uh, my wife says, you need to get a new job or go back to school, do something else. And I'm, I'm like, I'm helping people. I'm making a difference in people's lives. She said, I don't care. You're not making a difference <laughs> in ours. I'm like, okay, point taken. Let me go talk to Steve in the morning. I go sit down with him and... Uh, I said, Steve, I love what I'm doing. I'm helping people, but I'm not making the kind of money I need to make. And if something doesn't change, I'm just telling you I'm not going to be here. And he said, well, he said, what have you been doing? He said, oh, I've been doing, I said, I've been doing this, this, and this. He said, have you been following the business plans? It's been laid out for 158 years at a time. I was like, no, not really. <laughs> so he said, okay, do you think you can do this? I said, Steve, I know I can do this. I just need you to show me what to do. He said, okay, here's what I want you to do. Oh, for the next 30 days, not 30 years, not 30 months, just 30 days, follow the business plan, exactly how it's been laid out, and in 30 days from now, if you don't think you can do it, I'll help you find a job somewhere else. I'm right. like, yes, go home. Tell my wife, leave me alone for 30 days. <laughs> 30 days later, I followed the business plan. I was uh, agent of the month, agent of the year, made the million-dollar roundtable, paid wow. life case leader for the Mississippi General Office, top term insurance producer in the world for the company, went from broke to six-figure incomes, six-figure income. And people ask me all the time, what happened? And I said, well, I made a decision. I, yeah. didn't, I made a decision that 
I wanted to become the person that I knew I was capable of becoming. I was right. tired of being the person I was, and so I was going to become the person that I was capable of becoming. And that one decision changed the trajectory of my life. And, and I've, I've kind of lived by this philosophy that while no single decision is guaranteed to change the trajectory of your life, your right. career, your business, or your marriage, any single conversation or, or decision can and quite often does. And so I've always tried to figure out, okay, how can I make better decisions? And really, that was what the book was all about. Yeah, was the book's one decision can. So, yeah. I mean, it's very aptly named. This <laughs> right. is my personal copy, by the yes. way, that you signed for me. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it was, it was all about the, the root of uh, success for me was decision-making, you know, because it all came down to deci- the decisions we make right. and then the actions we take. And, you know, so once you figure out, okay, here's the decisions that are vitally important to my success, you've got to make those decisions, and then you've got to keep making those decisions over and over again every day. Yeah, which is because you know, it's amazing how many of us just float through life on autopilot. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and, and we, you know, we have so much stuff out there that influences us from yeah. social media to, uh, to coworkers to friends. To, to, there's just so much stuff out there that's, that, yeah. that people are trying to pour into you, influence you you know, uh, advertising and radio. And that's why I wanted to have a tool and a resource for somebody that they could be able to use that to combat all that stuff out there that's trying to, what I call the distractions and temptations. Well, you need something to help you distract you back to going in the right direction. Well, you, um, you've gotten kind of into the business now where you actually go around and you do a lot of speaking and you get to travel a lot and go so forth. What do you think is the state of, I mean, what, what are people going through right now? Because it seems like to me, you know, just from the people I talk to, a lot of people are on edge. There, It seems like there's a lot of uncertainty. I mean, you must really enjoy that part of your job that you get to go help people like that. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, the, the, uh, the Bible says without a vision, the people perish. Yeah. And, and I wholeheartedly believe that. If you don't have a strong enough vision, then you're not going to be able to live the life that you want. And, right. and really, uh, you, you have to almost become uncomfortable because right. if you're not uncomfortable, you won't move. And well, I mean, yeah, exactly. When your wife said, oh, you're going to have to go get another job or go, <laughs> right. go do it like that, that yeah. was your uncomfortable movement, moment. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, uh, you, you know, as Carnegie says, you're going to feel the heat or see the light, right? Yeah. And so uh, I think that if you, you get to that point where, you, you know, whether it's weight loss or finances or relationships, you know, it, 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 you, know you get to a point where you're like, okay, I, I'm just tired of n- not being healthy or I'm tired of this relationship being this way or I'm tired of my finances being this way. And, and I think that's where a lot of people are looking for some guidance and coaching and mm-hmm. some uh, mentorship and, and, and they want somebody to come along them and not necessarily hold them accountable but support them. Yeah, you know, because accountability is kind of a, a nasty word. It's like it's it's kind of a you know feels uncomfortable. Right. Like you're going to hold me accountable. You're going to make me do this. It's like you got another mom again, or right? Something. And it's like I already had one mom. I don't need another. But support yeah. is is something that people embrace because they care. Yeah. Right. And 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 when you have a coach that will support you, and believe in you, and like just like Steve did for me, and and I tell people this all the time. I had to have somebody believe in me more than I believed in myself right. so that I could believe in myself again. And Steve did that for me. Yeah. And if, if he had not done that, it was just that one little catalyst, that one little spark, and he, and he was able to spark that, um, that passion inside of me and, right. and, and make me feel uncomfortable enough and, and guide me to you know, a better future. 
by helping me make better decisions on a daily basis. It wasn't, it, you weren't failing because of you personally, you were failing because you just weren't following a plan. Right. Which is, that's a big difference. Yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of times people don't, you know, they just get so busy with life and they get tied up and, and it's sometimes you just need somebody to come, come alongside you and say, hey, have you thought about this? You know, uh, it was interesting. I was talking to somebody recently about uh, a mom and, you know, she was, she was kind of, you know, busy and, and stressed out. And, you know, and I said, well, you know, what if, what if she did this? You know, what yeah. if she just had this little time where she could go and uh, take a little bit of time off and, and get a break from the kids? Right. And, you know, but she, she probably doesn't think that because she's just like, ah, there's too much stuff to do. Right. I got to do this. I got to do that. And that's where the pressure mounts. And then. Uh, then you start to make bad decisions, and then bad decisions compound on top of each other. So, but one decision in the right direction can also compound and get you going back right. That's one of the things I enjoyed about your book is because it can apply to anything you're doing in life. Yeah. It really is, is that versatile. Okay, speaking of goals, and you were good at, at scoring them at one time in your life, <laughs> where do you think you'll be in five years? Five years from now, um, I, I would love to be uh, in a position, well, I, you know, I, I'm... I've done a lot of what I wanted to do in my life. I've been a professional hockey player. I actually got to be a firefighter for a short amount of time. I've been a professional speaker. I've wrote a book. Um, I, I just hope to be, uh, you know, maybe influencing more people than I am now on a, on yeah. a bigger, bigger, grander scale um, and, and really scaling my uh, impact, influence, and inspiration in, in, in a way that uh, – helps people live a better life or an easier life. Yeah. And uh, I think that uh, we're all called upon to, uh, to, to help our fellow human beings. And, yeah, and I think you've touched on that because I really do believe it. And you and I have talked about this a little bit, but I really do believe that true success is when you can help other people be successful. Yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the, the times that I've been happiest and most fulfilled is when I've been able to help somebody else yeah. achieve their goals and their dreams and, um, if you can alleviate suffering for somebody, then that is a tremendous feeling because it's just, it, it's such a sigh of relief that you can say, you know, they look to you and they say, hey, you know, like I do with Steve, he was the catalyst yeah. for my change. And I'm, I'm so forever grateful to him for, for him helping me and the coaches I've had. And, and, uh, and that's why I, I guess when you have been given so much from other people, you almost feel a responsibility to give back. Yeah. Well, one of my goals today was to have a great conversation with you. And you know what? You provided it. So guess what? I'm happy. Thank so you. So thank you, David. It's good talking Appreciate to you. Appreciate it. Thank good you. Thank you.